0: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church.
1: Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk again about the Kingdom of God. And we're going to continue the conversation we had this morning on... uh, the 2-hour uh, broadcast that we usually have on Saturday mornings. Uh but uh, we we I promised people that I would have a guest on. There was recently a vote in Oregon uh, in a committee. I'll let you uh hear from it firsthand from one of the people that were voting in this Oregon committee as to what the nature of the issue was. There's a number of new bills coming up in front of the Oregon legislature and uh, it seems to be all across the United States the same type of bills are showing up. Somebody is spending a great deal of money and time and energy to put these bills together and then get them placed in every state and they're doing it where they can get the backing and uh, they have the media actually behind them trying to convince everybody which evidently is not very hard because people are pretty well brainwashed already in my opinion but that's just my opinion. But anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the issues that are coming up in front of legislatures which may interfere, infringe upon your rights. And uh, the bill that we're going to focus on, although we can talk about a lot of other bills that have come up, is uh, so you can look it up, and that's in Oregon, but there will be other bills in individual states all across the nation, and there is actually federal bills that are uh, being drafted. And there's some sort of energy or motivation behind this, but it's not what you think. (laughs) So anyway, uh, my guest today is uh, James Williams, and uh, he's a county commissioner in Lake County, and he is also on this, I guess it's kind of a subcommittee, but he'll tell you more about it. And uh, he knew some of these were coming up, and he got on these committees so that he could address some of these issues. and. He was a little bit surprised at some of the stuff going on. Not that he wasn't somewhat prepared for it, disappointed in the mindset of the people, but we will want to get into some of the solutions and what you can do about it and what you don't want to just throw up your hands and give up because there are solutions. All these things are not new things. I told you it was 3036. It's three oh six is the bill in case anybody's taken notes, so anyway we d- that doesn't mean it's passed, but the in the committee they have approved it, and it's the margin i'm I'm mostly concerned about and uh I saw a few stories coming out uh uh on this subject but uh anyway, I'll turn you over to James Williams and uh let him tell you more about it uh and what's been going on. Uh, at least locally here, but it's probably also going on wherever you're at. Even if you're in Australia, you, I wouldn't be surprised if you wouldn't find similar bills uh, prop- popping up in Australia, because there's an agenda here. But anyway, James, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine, I suppose, all things considering. Yeah, you
2: you spoke on uh, House Bill 3063 uh, here in the state of Oregon. Basically, what this bill is doing is it's removing uh the parents right uh to uh deny vaccines for their children it's uh you don't need parental consent to uh and it's uh, basically forcing vaccine medical treatment on uh, children um and uh, it's just a bad road from in my opinion it's it's not based on uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not I'm not basing this on on my own medical understanding. I'm basing this on whether or not it's right or wrong to remove a parent's ability to decide what is best for their child's welfare and whether or not the government should be handling that aspect um, uh, of our uh, of public health. And I just I just don't believe this is a safe road to go down.
0: Uh yeah, the one of the things I talked about this morning on this morning's show was the Nuremberg Codes, because people were treated not for their... They were actually experimented on during World War II, but they also received treatment. People were actually medically treated because somebody thought they ought to receive certain treatments uh, for sterilization, uh other, you know, chemical uh, uh, uses on them that was considered medical treatment, and it actually damaged, even killed people. And, of course, people were drawn up on trial. And the the Nuremberg Codes, one of the things that came out of that, of the trials, was the code. And that was that voluntary consent of human subjects is absolutely essential. And the idea of giving everybody vaccines to develop some kind of fictitional herd immunity, which is kind of a catchphrase that people are floating about, uh means that you really need to get their consent, but that seems to be completely thrown out the window, uh, even though that was accepted in the uh, uh, the Nuremberg Codes, that uh, the means that a person involved should have legal capacity to give consent, which would mean minors, uh, should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice, have an alternative without the intervening of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion. If, if somebody is violating that, they're violating the Nuremberg Codes. And in truth, they would also be violating the Helsinki Accords. Uh, which goes through the same thing. We won't go through all the Helsinki Cords here today, but people can look them up and see, you know, they talk about uh, medical progress is based on research. Well, whose research? Because there's a lot of research, there's uh, anti-vaccination. People will try to tell you that there's no validity to that, but you should have the right to look into this yourself. I can find you lots of medical doctors who say that there is a problem and there is a danger with vaccines and that the claims of their viability and usefulness especially developing herd immunity it comes into question. So the question is who's who's doing the research? Who's coming up with the answers uh, and what have you? But you you were a part of a board of 40?
2: Uh yeah, Brown 40 commissioners, yeah.
0: Now, were they all commissioners, or were there uh,
2: usually the the committees are made up of judges and commissioners from around the state. The idea uh, around um, the the concept of here in the state of Oregon, we we have a number of different types of structures of government for our counties, and the idea and principle is is that we want as much power as possible to remain as locally as possible in each of the counties. So typically when these bills come forward, they go through um association of Oregon County uh, um, committees um, made up of judges and commissioners from each individual county. Um, not everyone, the counties are not each represented necessarily in that room. Uh, there are 36 counties in my state, um, but each county has the opportunity to get on those committees if they, for instance, one of the, one committee might handle veteran affairs, another committee might handle health and human services, and the judicial committees. But, uh, what happens is, is that these bills come before us and we look at them and we decide whether or not they're, they're going to go on. And, uh, whether or not we want, uh, whether or not they have our backing as, as counties. And so these bills come forward and we say whether or not we're opposed to them or not. Um, or we're in favor of them or not. And, uh, this particular bill, I, I saw it coming. I went in early that morning, around 4am. I prepped for it. Around 7am, the phone call started. I, I'm trying to save my county monies and so I decided I'd stay in my office and I'd just call in. And so first it came before us on that committee it was voted to go forward and then later on it goes to a uh, and later in the day around noon it goes on to a legislative committee after going through the health and human services committee and uh, I was on that committee as well and uh, it was also uh, voted to continue and uh, they voted in favor of it and the vote was I I believe around 30 to 9 I think there was one in, uh, one abstain but the idea that there were that many people, up to 30 people in that room, that are all local leaders in counties around the state uh, that didn't seem to have a single issue and got, actually got quite contentious. I, my argument were, was plainly just based on I think this is going too far. I'm not, I'm not arguing whether or not vaccines have um, a, a value because that's what this bill is it's it's mandating vaccines on the american family um i'm not going to argue whether or not we were able to get rid of polio um i have my opinions on a lot of things but that my argument was whether or not it's right to impose this on the american people if you're right and polio was taken off the board so to speak by vaccines we did that without mandating it if you're right you should be able to articulate an argument, and reason with the public and educate them as to why you're right and why this is a good idea. But instead, local leaders from around the state of Oregon decided that it was okay and it was for the greater good that we exercise our power and force vaccines on the American people because we believe we ourselves to be right. And they didn't seem to have a problem with it. And I think it's great that you read, you're reading from the Nuremberg, um, trials because I, I crossed my mind. I do not want to be at the Nuremberg trials. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the mandatory medical treatment without consent is literally the grounds for much of the debate in the Nuremberg trials and why men like, evil men like Dr. Mangala um
0: Adolf Eichmann.
2: And, and Adolf Eichmann. Why these men were found guilty of their heinous crimes and uh why we had that huge trial in the first place. Uh and th- these are very serious issues. Serious issues. We we are living on the precipice of serious change. And I think it's, it's very important that we are, we be very careful where we go from here. And my argument was, I think this goes too far. Whether you're right or wrong, you should, we should talk about this more. And instead it was, well, this is a contentious issue. We're not going to, um, be able to change anyone's mind. So we'll just vote on it. And it, it for the majority of the people in that room, they didn't seem to have a problem with this. They likened it to driving in a car, getting into a car, and uh, you know we don't turn people out there with licenses. And I thought that was an absolute ridiculous comparison to what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, um, the, nobody's required to drive. No, no one's required strapped into a seat and drive a test car. You choose
2: to get in that car, <laughs> and that's always the way it is. You you don't remove that consent. And when you're talking about children. Um it turns out people actually care more about their children than they do about guns and they should. And I think that this is prob even more contentious of an issue than anything else and it's just being just railroaded through the legislature right now. And uh Robert Um Kennedy Jr. is actually at our state legislature right now arguing this case. And uh I just think it's so sad that so many local legislatures from your hometowns and your home areas these aren't career politicians. These are people, some of them are people that you just voted in recently, and they're up there advocating for this bill. And I think it comes down to the fact that people just aren't educated. They're not, they're not educated to understand history. They don't know what the Nuremberg trials were. They don't understand the reasoning the value and why we have the Constitution and what individual responsibility means and what consent means. And they just think, well, we're serving the greater good. We're going to use our power. We're going to push this through. I just think it is so dangerous. And uh, it's very disheartening when you're one of the youngest people in the room and you're the only person, you know, or at least one of the few people shouting this out. I I was just torn up that day. I I didn't know what to do. And I was only able to really get out of bed the next morning and go back into work at 6 because I remember that there were eight other people in that room that voted with me. And, uh, there, and I don't want them to be alone.
0: Yeah, the, uh, if you go to the Helsinki Accords, one of the 25th items in the Helsinki Accords, which is signed by the countries all over the world, is that, uh, you have to be, uh, individuals have to be capable of giving informed consent. Well, that informed consent means they have to know the truth about what medical procedures or medical, uh, you know, uh, administration that is, is, is coming on. And then that gets in, and really we should have other guests on. We'd certainly, you know, bring on other experts. So we've done a lot of studying here. You know, you can listen to, uh, uh Humphreys, uh, who, uh, I'm trying to think of the first name. I think it's Susan Humphreys. Uh, you mentioned, uh, Kennedy. Uh, He's done a lot of study on this. Robert
2: Kennedy Jr. uh,
0: If you went out and just Googled vaccines now, uh, Google says that it's actually filtering the content because they don't want people to receive misinformation. But what's misinformation? You know, Humphreys quotes peer-reviewed papers. She's a doctor. She's a scientist. There's lots of others out there who are doctors and scientists and nurses that are seeing ill effects coming from excessive use of vaccinations and that they and just their own logic, you know uh, James mentioned uh, polio, this is one of the things that came up and it uh, it's shocking when people say, well, we eradicated polio with vaccinations. Why do you have any proof that you eradicated polio? Well, it's gone. Well, the Spanish flu has gone too. That was, Nobody had a vaccination for that. It just seemed to go away. What actually took place, and there are studies, they're not easily found if you Google them because they're filtering content again and somebody has to go and make them available, I'm sure, if you get a hold of some of these other people. And this is what everybody has to do is get informed because they're not going to inform you. The reality is when they tested people before the vaccination appeared on the scene, they were testing all kinds of people. They, one of the tests were in New York. They found that the vast majority of the people had been exposed to polio, uh, might have run a slight fever, might not have even noticed the fever, uh, went to bed a little more tired than they normally did, but they woke up with permanent lifetime immunity to polio because their immune system was in was in good healthy form and they just developed a natural immunity to polio. Now there's lots of things that you could do to lower the body's immunity. There's lots of things that could happen to you to lower the ability of the body to become immune and you might get polio. Uh, you might get a lot of things but that is nature. To force everybody to get a vaccination does not cure polio that actually you're injecting people with polio virus. We talked this morning a great deal about whooping cough, that if you get a whooping cough vaccination, it does not give you lung immunity. These are from peer-reviewed papers. uh, In fact, you can actually get and carry and give to other people whooping cough. You don't really get it. You might get a slight cough. You won't get it because you've had the vaccination, but you do have it in your lungs, And while it's in your lungs, surviving, as viruses do, on in your tissue, it can transmute into another similar virus that your vaccine does not give you immunity to. And now everybody can get it because you're actually creating an environment that can get people sick. But since we have James here, and he's not really a medical expert, but he is becoming an expert in how the politics of the world works, we talked this morning a great deal about the mindset of people. How do, how do people get to the point where they think nobody has to give consent? I want it so everybody else has to go along. I am the majority, and so, what was it, uh, 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 Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I'm the boss. They think because they're in this position of political power, They can impose activity on everybody. And, of course, all the people at the Nuremberg trials thought they could do that, too.
2: But, see, that's just it. The difference between being a public servant and serving the public. I don't think people really understand the definitions of those things. And I think... Uh We've gotten to the point where people think, well, I'm elected in this position. I need to use the power that I'm given. No, I think you think that people gave you that position to exercise authority. I think that people gave you that position to preserve the freedom that they have. And if you're going to go in there and just take over and impose your will on the other percentage of the population simply because, well, you got elected, so you you're in that position now. I think that's wrong. I think it's a very dangerous place to be for any person in public office. And uh, I, I I'm I, I'm very much confused by the uh, the thought process too. Because many of the people that are advocating for this, and I'm not saying that it's all on one side of the aisle, because it's on both sides. It's both conservatives and liberal, uh, left and right. They both have this, this thought process that we're going to legislate morality. That is very dangerous, because if you give government the power to legislate morality, they can have, they will have the power to legislate immorality.
0: Well, not only that, uh, that, but I think you hit the nail on the head with it, if government has the power to legislate morality, isn't government in the place of God? Yeah. And I mean, so now he came up with that answer pretty simple and pretty quick. But what about everybody else? If I, I'm sure if I said that to those 40 people, who were in this committee, 30, per, uh, 30 of them, or 75% of them, would think, oh no, that's ridiculous. Because God is something else. That God is this other thing. and this doesn't have anything to do with God. Hmm. This has to do with us ruling, deciding, what it really has to do with, we're going to decide what is good and what is evil. That's what they're trying to do in the legislature. They're not Public servants, their idea of serving man, well, it's it's a cookbook. <laughs> as the as the old Outer Limits or Twilight yeah. Zone or wherever that was from Outer Limits, uh, it, it's a cookbook. They're they're raising the heat, and what I'm concerned about is all the way across the board. I mean, you see this crop up in history from time to time, but all across the nation, there is a larger and larger group that has been cultivated, like a culture in a laboratory, cultivated to think that it is okay to force people to submit to my will, my wishes, what I think is right, what I think is good, what I think is evil, and this really gets bad when they start calling evil good and good evil, and I think that's what we're seeing taking place in a lot of the country today. Yeah. Uh, the
2: uh It's a spirit. I think it's very much a spiritual thing. I don't think it has anything to do with what party you happen to be affiliated with.
0: Absolutely. And and that's one of the things that when I I see the debates, the few debates that are out there are uh I don't know, you can call them media debates when you have the different groups, you know, yeah. somebody comes on a media program mm-hmm. and, and has these debates. Then you have this you know, left side
1: yeah. of the argument and yeah. the
0: right side of the argument. And I'm listening to the right side and I'm thinking like, your guy's not getting to the point.
2: You're, it's not, you're not making a good argument. And this is why I think that you have issues with the rise of the radical left, so to speak, is because the right has been making very poor arguments. For a very long time.
0: They're not as far right as they think they are. That's right.
2: And, and I think we've gotten to the point where we have forgotten what it means to have a conversation in this country. It is okay to disagree, but we can still talk about this and have a conversation. I was poo-pooed in there and and shouted down by saying, well, we're not going to decide on anything, so we should just stop talking about it. No, absolutely not. Your excuse for not being... We are going to just go ahead and vote on this simply because we can't come to a... To a consensus? Or a that,
0: conversation. That's,
2: that's very dangerous. Oh, we just don't want to do this. It's very contentious. It's just, we're never going to leave here. So, you think that your people want to pay you tax dollars to just hurry up and get it done? No, they, they paid you to do a job. And part of that job may mean that you have to stay in that room for the rest of the day and discuss this. Decide whether or not this is the appropriate action to take. And when you are deci- deciding to take away someone's right to choose if you are going to legislate in mandatory vaccines or mandatory this or mandatory that where you're going to take away the individual's right to decide what is best for their family and themselves that that is a very serious conversation that requires a lot more than 15 minutes of your time and I'm sorry if you've got a lunch break and you've got to, and you want to go, but you're going to have to stay we're going to talk this out, and if not, then we will table this and we'll come back to it later. But I think that people want to avoid the conversation because it gets too contentious and i I just think that this is such a dangerous road to travel.
0: Well, we see the same thing was can you mention some of the other bills that were coming up as?
2: Uh, there, there was a number of other bills, uh, in terms of, uh, spraying, um, uh, on public lands I thought were rather interesting, but we actually voted all those down. Um, um, it was a lot of pesticide, uh, spraying, and I thought it was actually, I'm not going to accuse anyone of anything, but I thought it was strange that most of those pesticide, uh, spraying bills, uh, were all put through by the same person. And, uh, Um, at least his name was pretty much on all of them. And I thought to myself, gosh, I wonder who's paying you, um, you know, and just in terms of, uh, there's a lot of bills here uh, and you've been a very busy person to get all these bills into the legislature of, uh, uh, I, I just thought that was fascinating. Might, might want to do some research on that if, uh, if folks have the, the time or inclination, I don't, um. But well, I, I think you curious. have the inclination, yeah. but you
0: don't have the time. And this is one of the things that I wanted to bring up in the show is that uh, people, you know, elect somebody as supposedly a public servant. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find someone who actually comes with that spirit, attitude, that spir- uh, the spirit of service uh, to actually help people get their freedom, get their uh, liberty back, and he's put in there with. The den of lions, so to speak,
2: <laughs> and there's good people in that room i mean don't don't mistake me there There was good people there that voted against it. It's just that we were in the minority and well, i and, think, I, and I find it, that shocking
0: I think even some of the people that voted for it did so because they were ignorant isn't true it's,
2: it, the the fact that someone might um, I, I don't think that stupidity necessarily correlates with bravery um and uh and, and what i mean by that is i i don't think that people are necessarily foolish all the time i think that sometimes they see it but they may lack the bravery at times to be the person who stands up and says no I'm not going to do that and i think there's a real push for political um uh correctness Political correctness might be a good term, um, but I think it, it goes when you're new in this area and you're, you're a politician, you risk uh, damaging your political career if you intend to go on, and uh, y- you don't want to ever say the wrong thing. I'm, I'm sure I'll say all kinds of things in the future, and, and people won't like it, but uh, sometimes that's the chance you have to take, and if I say something stupid, I'll, I'll go back and I'll correct it. I'm not above criticism, but... Um, I think that many politicians, especially when you just come off a campaign trail or something, you're very hesitant to speak your mind because uh, you tend to put your foot in your mouth sometimes. And, and I think it's a, it's kind of a habit that you have to get past because once you're in there, the people want to know what you think. And transparency sometimes co- comes at a cost. Uh, that's part of the job. And, and you need to speak up. And I, I'm reminded of uh, I was on a ride-along with an officer last uh, earlier this week, and uh, we were driving around. It was real late at night. I think I was with him till 1 a.m. or so, and uh, or at least midnight. Um, and uh, I, we were having this same conversation, and uh, I was reminded of the movie Braveheart with William Wallace, uh, played by Mel Gibson, when he says, "You think that those people exist to provide you a title? I think you, you're." position exists to provide those people with freedom and uh, i think that's that's a that's a great line i love that movie but (laughs) i am gonna have to watch it again actually now um (laughs) but uh i i think that's just it we've lost that and and i think that was why we exist that's why people vote for us because they expect us to represent them and to to preserve their rights to the best of our ability and, uh, and I, I'd like actually to delve into this a little bit in terms of why this bill came about, how it came about, what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been fighting for all this time. And I, I, I did delve into it a little bit there during the committee. Uh, I'm not sure if we have a commercial break coming up. Um, we can maybe do it after the break if you'd like.
0: Uh, yeah we can, uh, of course, uh, I'm kinda caught off guard here, I wasn't even ready for the commercial break, but I <laughs> That's alright, I, well, I just
2: thought about it, I wasn't sure. <laughs> well you're, it, uh,
0: actually you're more prompt than I am, cause I'm, I'm usually way off, and here, uh, you hit it right on the money. It just, it just came up, it just, just popped through my head,
2: I didn't, I knew I wouldn't, didn't want to delve into this too deep, because we could get stuck here for at least five, ten minutes or
0: something. Yeah, so. the, uh, some of the, yeah I think that one of the things and I talked about it in this morning's program and eventually I will put all these kind of together but uh the the spiritual aspect uh, is a lot deeper than people realize uh that you know we make choices we actually choices are made for us because of the fact that we accept one thing and then it leads to another. And it leads, it changes our thinking. And the more we are, uh, we accept a, a particular idea, the more our, our thinking has changed. The more our thinking has changed, the more we are likely to set, accept other ideas. And I think that's one of the reasons why the, uh, the, the right or the conservative or whatever party you're talking about has such difficulty in arguing against some of these points. Uh, and issues is because they've made some of the same wrong mistakes and their mind has been altered. And, you know, I, we're interested in this. I think that, you know, get, delving into the political scene is not our salvation, but delving into the, the politics of the mind, uh, may allow us to be led to what is our salvation. And it's a changing of the mind, which is what repentance is. Repentance is, literally, that's what it means, is a changing of the mind. And so, looking at these issues, looking at these problems, and one of the things that came up several times was, in the course of conversations in the last few days, is people says, if they pass these laws, I'm leaving the state. And I thought, like, where are you going? Because this is in every state. People have to stop running away from the problem and start coming together and facing the problem. And this is one of the things that I was thinking with um, the individual who gets elected, he needs a team behind him. You know, you only had hours to prepare for these meetings. You need to have other people doing the research, giving you the information, feeding it to you, so that you can go up and represent what they're discovering and what they're learning. You need everybody needs to spend the time. You can't just, you know, elect Braveheart to go off and fight the battle. You've got to follow him into the battle. You've got to give him the support that he needs. You gotta help him uh get the job done. He can't just do it alone. And so that's one of the things that I would like to address. And of course that's what we're always talking about is the tens, hundreds, and thousands, not as a political action committee, but as people seeking you know, the kingdom of God, which is the right to be ruled by God in your hearts and in your mind and the righteousness of God because there are some things coming down and it's not necessarily government's fault. It's people's fault because they're not seeking righteousness. But anyway, we'll go to a break and we'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I'm brother Gregory and we're talking to James Williams. When we're looking at these trends in society these trends in community the the way that people are thinking it is it is not new we're the same today as we were 2000 years ago we have a more technically a technologically advanced uh, community but not as much as some people might think you know i mean they had socialism in the roman empire they had full med- medical coverage ...for a while under, I think it was Emperor Nerva. Uh, they, some of their medical practices were good. Some of them were not so good. Uh, one of the first martyrs of Christianity was a f- fellow in the city of Bergamot. And he was a dentist accused of practicing medicine without a license... ...because people were going to him while he was working on their teeth. They were being healed of other things. And they, so people were actually coming to have other things healed not just their teeth, and so therefore he was actually executed for practicing medicine without a license. So something serious was going on there. And now this obsession with believing in the medical institutions and and the fact is, you know, modern medicine can do wonderful things, but they also kill more people than guns uh, because they're wielding a powerful tool. And so you need the right to decide when you're going to depend upon uh medical society, pharmaceuticals and when you're not. And uh you know, years and years ago I was into doctors offices every week and uh when I was a young boy, I stopped going to doctors and I have I have now outlived all my former doctors. <laughs> so but that's my choice. And I want you to have the same choice as to what you Want to do, and I I think the interaction of individuals with doctors and medicine and everything needs to be brought to a spiritual level. You you need to have the spirit guiding you in dealing with them, but not accept their word as if it was God's word in you. You need to make these decisions yourself. But one of the things that we were going to change pace here and and look at is years ago. If you malpractice, big thing in medicine today, if you were to do something wrong, if you were to injure somebody with your practice of medicine, you could be held responsible for it. You could be sued for it. And good or bad, that actually forces doctors to be careful, to be cautious, to not wield the power of their office uh, without due consideration well something came along back and but I'll have uh James talk to you about this and uh and, and and maybe he can shed some more light on some of the things that was going on in the pharmaceutical industry so can you fill us in on what
2: what I I find so outrageous about this one argument and, and we'll just talk about um Uh, This one bill, for instance, right now, my experience in arguing this case, um, people want to tell you that they're right and vaccines are safe and there are no issues and they save people's lives. And I want to know, then, if they truly are safe, I won't debate the actual um, contents of the individual vaccine, I'm not going to debate whether or not it's good for you or bad for you. I'm going to ask this question. If you're right and vaccines are safe, I want to know why. In 1986, we made it illegal in this country to sue pharmaceutical companies. And instead, the federal government created what they call vaccine court. It's a special branch and special court that handles all vaccine injury cases. And to this day, from 1986, when that was actually first signed into law, we have made the taxpayer, you and me, the taxpayer pay for every single settlement that's gone through that court, which comes to the sum of around $60 billion. So if that there's that many injuries, I want to know why. I really do. I want to know why you're telling me it's safe. I want to know... How you can tell me it's safe and that special branch of government exists to pay people and settle with people who have vaccine injury when those are the only people that we know about? I don't know how many cases there are of measles in the country right now, but I know that in the state of Oregon, we have around 500 people who have been vaccine injuries in just one year of 2018. That's from their website. Four people are dead today in my state simply because of that. Uh, of what what apparently went through vaccine court those are the ones that they handled so i'd like to know why that exists if vaccines truly are safe i'm curious i really would like to know if if i'm wrong then and i want to be proven wrong and it's not that i'm against vaccines it's about it's about whether or not you're right it's it's about whether or not what you're telling me is true and i want to know the facts that's okay. what I, I'm not making this, this an emotional thing. I just, I really want to know the facts.
0: And that's part of that informed consent. If you're going to give somebody or require informed consent, you got to have to say, well, nobody's actually died of measles in Oregon this year, but four people died from the vaccines. All right. Well, you know, that's, it seems to me that statistic alone is cause for the concern because you know, lots of people get measles, very few of them die. Most of the ones who die supposedly from measles are actually dying from other complications that come along. Not the measles, but other immune system problems that, cause the measles doesn't actually kill you, it's other complications. That can come along because of that, and some of those complications are actually medically induced. Well,
2: see, you, I don't even know how old many of these these um, patients were when they died or got sick, and when they became back injured. Uh, how many of these? There's like I can't remember how many, but there was a good portion out of that 500 that were disabled um, for life. That they're, they're just they're done. So I want I want to know if if they really are safe. Why is that? And we say that a large portion of those could be small children, like babies, newborns, that they vaccinate. Even Japan, which has a tradition in, in, in their past, not possibly now, but in their past, they have a, a history of forcing certain things on the people, of compelling them to do certain things. And even in their country, it's illegal to vaccinate a child under the age of two.
0: Because they have a lot of natural immunities early on. Now, that doesn't mean that nobody will get a disease until after they're two.
2: But they're also more fragile at that age.
0: And uh, they have way less autism. They have way less uh, vaccine injuries because they wait till the child is two. But that's a matter of choice normally, but not according to this new bill that's coming down in Oregon as well as in other states. And people have to, you know, most people don't know that that so many people were injured. And he says everybody who is injured takes it to this vaccine court in in government. That's actually not true. Uh on the face because I can I can name you people that have been injured, clearly injured, no question about it, were injured by vaccines eventually uh, actually some people the children were killed by the vaccine it was supposedly a bad batch uh, but they were severely lifetime injury incapacitated for a lifetime and they didn't know they were told that they could not sue the pharmaceutical company later on more than a year later they found out well they could go to vaccine court but nobody told them that so that's not informed consent nobody told them that until the statute of limitations ran out. If you don't make a claim early enough, now they have the medical records. They know that the children were injured by the mm-hmm. vaccine, mm-hmm. but they did not file timely. So they're out. They're not in, the, they're not going to be in those statistics. Uh, so, and then how many children get a vaccine and then there's sudden death, you know, crib death, and they just say, well, that we don't know what caused that, but they actually had a vaccine three days before. But Perfectly healthy
2: did. healthy baby, and then they get a vaccine, and several days later they die in their crib.
0: And so they they don't attribute they it to the beating. vaccine; they attribute it to sudden death syndrome. It, it, so there's many cases of, and then how many children's IQ have been lowered by vaccination? There's actually studies showing that unvaccinated children have, generally speaking, a higher IQ. And, the, the, and see, uh,
2: this is, this is exactly it. We don't know the long-term effects of vaccines, positive or negative.
1: They haven't we, made the We space. don't know yet.
2: I was in a meeting yesterday, um our, our a senator, um uh, came down for a visit in, a, in our local town and a, and a nurse practitioner actually stood up and she had a question regarding this. And the fact is, is that Vaccines are the only product from pharmaceutical companies that are not held to the same standard as every other product. They do not do double-blind placebo tests with any vaccines. And in 1986, when they first signed it, where it was illegal to sue pharmaceutical companies for vaccine injury. There are now 40-plus new vaccines on the market. It, it, it's, and you still can't sue the pharmaceutical companies for for damages. So you tell me why they would even have to worry about making a good vaccine that wouldn't injure anyone when they know they can't be sued by law. The government and the taxpayer has taken on all that liability.
0: Yeah, it's that like, That
2: is a very dangerous place to be. People talk about corruption with the pharmaceutical companies. That is it right there. And you're going... I don't think that I'm going to have anything to do with putting the lives of the American people in the hands of pharmaceutical companies that do not have their best interests at heart. It's just... I, I will not do it, and I will not be at the Nuremberg trials. I just won't. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> that, the, uh, the, the reality is, is that... The, This is what I was saying at the beginning is that doctors can be sued if they do a bad job. If they, you know, they come and they're drunk, uh, they act irresponsibly, they, they don't read the, the tests right and, and treat somebody incompetently. Hmm. They can be sued and if they get sued a few times, then suddenly they can't practice medicine. This is a way to protect everybody from, you know, the quackery Uh, or the incompetence of medical practitioners. And it keeps medical practitioners competent because the ones that aren't competent get weeded out, unfortunately at the expense of a lot of other people, but at least it isn't allowed to go on. But in the case, if you give them a carte blanche free pass that they're not going to lose a dime if they screw up. I'm pretty sure it's more likely they're going to screw up. Where's their incentive? Oh yeah, they're going to try to produce a good product, but there isn't the, you know, you if you actually listen to people that are inside the industry, or especially those who have been inside the industry and have come out, they at great personal expense and testified that there is an irresponsible error of superiority in these industries, and they don't. The bottom line is the bottom line. You're not their primary concern, and uh, they get good public relations people to talk like you are. But the reality is that's if that that's not the case, and you're fooling yourself. You're under that strong delusion if you think that they are, and that's what we were talking about in the beginning. Uh, show this morning is the fact that people can get deluded and if you cater to their delusion Mm. you actually are doing them more harm and so i'm not saying you can't get a vaccination i'm not an anti-vaxxer i'm an informed consent guy i think you need to be informed and i think that if people were to come together you know like we always say just in the tens hundreds and thousands they can actually do some of the research put together arguments, put together the facts, the the statistics, the peer-reviewed papers that are out there that most people don't know about that show, wait a minute, you know, because when you actually get a chance to have that conversation and talk to people uh, that are making these decisions that are life and death for you and for the people and for your neighbor, for your children and your children's children yet to come, because these things, once they go into place, they're hard to get out of out of place. And so, if you're working together, coming together, working with each other to inform other people, maybe they would stop looking so much to the government to solve all their problems. Stop looking to the medical society to solve all their problems and start looking for their salvation where it really is not in fake religion but in real religion, which is the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. There are lots of remedies out there and they... And if you and you put them under scrutiny, you'll find out, wait a minute, you know, why, why was the polio epidemic spreading like wildfire and somebody came out with an article suggesting what's causing the immune system to drop and making people more susceptible to polio, then that very year, uh, that very summer, polio, when everybody had read this article that went all through New York, polio cases dropped. Then when people came back with an article saying that that original article was not true, and it was fake, and it didn't have any basis in science, so everybody went back to consuming what was causing the problem, polio went back up again. And you can actually, there are actually full reports and studies that have looked at this phenomena, that all you had to do was remove certain things from your diet for a short period of time during the polio season, which was during the summer months, because it was often transmuted through water and rivers and and what have you, that your immune system would be exposed to the polio, you would get a natural immunity, and polio would have died out anyway. And those people who would not listen to these guidelines, those people who had... Terrible immune system. They Yeah, they might have died of polio, but they might have died of something else because their immune systems were already compromised. So this is, this is the message that, you know, to be informed, have an informed life, understand what's going on. So anyway, we've only got about seven minutes left of the program. I don't know what else James might want to uh, address. He, well, he,
2: I, I thought you, I thought it was strange you didn't tell anyone what that was, that they were supposed to cut out of their
0: diet. Well, you know, they should see us on Maybe the Maybe they should go look it up for <laughs> themselves. <laughs> well, if they join the network, they can ask us right. on the network, and right. we will yeah. tell them. Uh, it, it's not something I haven't mentioned many other times. Sure, uh, and, uh But I'm creating curiosity for people. But
2: again, I, I agree. I'm. It's not that I'm an anti vaxxer it's, it's not about that. It's about whether or not it's right to take away the right of the parent to choose. I, I mean, you're going to argue and say that the the mother has the does not have the right to choose what's best for her child. But you're going to argue. The same people are going to argue that the mother does have the right to choose whether or not to abort a child full term, even after an umbilical cord has been cut. Now, I will say that I am against abortion, and I do think that that, that argument right there confuses me greatly about whether n- where do the rights start and where do they end. And you're going to make an argument that a mother has the right to choose when it comes to her own body, But once that baby is born and the umbilical cord is cut, you're telling me that that baby is, that she still has that right to choose whether or not it lives or dies? That's a, that's a very strange thing to me. And I just, I am going to just say it simply. I think it is a very dangerous road to go down when we start to give the government the ability to decide what is right and what is wrong and to decide what's best for us, especially in terms of medicine because that's uh, that, that was the foundation of the Nuremberg trials. Well,
0: One of the criticisms of the Nuremberg trials was that there was a double standard, because there was you know, they were going after the yes. Germans had done certain things, but the French and the Italians and a lot of other people had done the same things, even some of the allies the Russians, and nobody was going after them, but the, you bring up an interesting point, everybody talks about abortion, one of the major arguments pro-abortion is it's my body, you know and they count the fetus as this gob of tissue which is not really true but okay so accept the argument it's my body no one has the right to say what I can do with my body but you're the same people who argue that are the ones who vote to force everybody to have vaccines yes and injects toxins what we know is toxins industrial waste actually into my body against my will and consent And I haven't even killed anybody. On the supposition that somehow or other, I put you at risk. If vaccines work, why would you be at risk? You're not at risk. And and we could go into herd immunity and all these other nonsense things. You can't get herd immunity through vaccinations. Because like I I explained, that several vaccinations, they don't even give you full immunity. You can still carry the disease. When you have the vaccination. There are hundreds
2: of strains to many of these vaccines, and that is direct information from a doctor to me. That there are hundreds of strains, and many of these vaccines only cover one or two. Yeah. And it mutates every year.
0: And if you start vaccinating the whole population so that people can actually carry around the disease and not get sick, you know, or debilitatedly sick because they were vaccinated... Those people become a test tube for the new strain.
2: Absolutely, as because, they mutate.
0: Yeah, because they not only are still living in them, they're living in them with other viral matter and particles, which is what they need to mutate exactly and you're you 're headed for a holocaust which is why we
2: have hundreds of strains honestly i 've had doctors tell me this. This is not something that I think that they have figured out yet. I think there are this is a huge debate in the medical industry, and many doctors don 't agree that vaccines are necessarily the answer and and it, as long as that debate is going on, I think it 's very dangerous for the government to force it on the people and say. We're going to do this whether you want it or not, and we're going to put it. We're going to give this to your children whether you say yes or no. Oh. And that's, that's why dangerous. it's an
0: experiment. It's a medical experiment because it's never. Which been is done why
2: they had the Nuremberg trials Absolutely. because it, they were experimenting on humans without their consent. Yeah. and that is a dangerous road. That is why Mangala and, and other men like Adolf Eichmann are renowned criminals to this day.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, the, the fact is people but, need to gather together, work absolutely. together, uh, inform one another, uh, learn what to inform so they can make a rational argument, help those people who have been doing the study by buying their books, whatever they are. There's lots of books out there. Most of these people have... Uh, provided this information at great personal expense. And it's the same for everybody that is fighting this issue. But there's a lot of other issues that are coming down. And they're all related because it's it's one spirit is trying to take away the rights of the others. And uh, they're doing it in a lot of different ways. And as I said this morning after they've taken away your right, your life, the shooters, they go out and they commit suicide. It is a self-destructive spirit. And they don't even know it until it's too late. But until we meet again, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless.